Welcome to Syracuse University Talks Business, a collaborative podcast about the innovations, challenges, and opportunities in the modern business world. This podcast is produced by the Whitman School of Management at Syracuse University. I'm Olivia Conti, and today we speak with two Whitman faculty members and a PhD student about the differences and challenges minority entrepreneurs face in the United States. Now, in order to fully understand the context of this conversation, we first have to understand the meaning of entrepreneurship. As it turns out, entrepreneurship is more than what it appears to be in the dictionary. Whitman Department Chair of Entrepreneurship and Emerging Enterprises and Associate Professor Todd Moss can give you the dictionary definition and a little bit more. The classic, so academic definition would be the pursuit of opportunity without regard to resources currently controlled. Okay, so you see something out there, you wanna do it, you don't have the resources to do it, so you figure out a way to make it work. So that can be starting a new business, but it could also be inside of a company like you see an opportunity inside of a company to create new product or service and the higher ups are saying no and you find a way to make it work because you don't have the resources but you find a way to do that right so so it's it's more the way we teach it at, at Whitman is it's like a way of thinking it's it's not a it's not a did you create a new business yes or no did you start a google company or whatever right it's it's more it's it's a way of thinking it's a way of approaching life and and approaching your job and 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 that's how that's why you know entrepreneurship students who graduate with uh, with entrepreneurship at Whitman um, they, they get hired by other companies because they they are learning about thinking outside the box about hey here's this cool opportunity out there how could we create a new product or service that we don't have right now you need to think entrepreneurially to do something like that when you hear the word entrepreneur who do you think of Steve Jobs Elon Musk they were both outside the box thinkers people who saw an opportunity and took it but economic opportunities turned successes don't always make the splash that Apple or Tesla did. Whitman adjunct professor Aljava Abdul Qadir is the director of the Southside Innovation Center in Syracuse, New York. He said it's difficult for minority entrepreneurs to make big waves in the current economy. There is this whole uh, group of individuals who participate in buying and selling and, and assembling resources and uh, and contributing to our economy as a country actually and as a world um, but but don't necessarily participate in uh, the formal like registering a business paying taxes following the procedures of, of hiring employees and things that are, are, are typically a, a legal thing um, you know outside of the idea that they just haven't registered their company. So perhaps one that, that a lot of people would, would relate with in, in the informal economy would be someone like a kid who mows the neighbor's lawn and they get paid $20, right? They're mm-hmm. not registered or their baby or someone's babysitting, you know? So for neighbors, I mean, that's the simplest form, right? And so it's just, it's, it's businesses that, that operate, that contribute to the economy, they're buying and selling, uh, but they don't formally register their business with the government. And so they're not paying the, all the, the kinds of taxes that um, they're paying sales tax and stuff like that, but they're not paying income taxes on their business. And in the US, it, it's, in some ways it's frowned upon, but but in many parts of the world, like that's the normal way of doing business. It's just how they do business, that's but, right. Yeah, that's like, right. like in some countries, 90% of, of the businesses that operate are informal businesses. Why? Because it's so, you have to be wealthy, you have to pay bribes, things like this to do business there. And so a lot of people, they just, you know, think about rural, I don't know, rural, you know, businesses in, in Africa or India or some of these countries, you know, I mean, people need jobs and, and 
you know, the government isn't a strong presence there. And so they're just doing jobs and getting paid and buying supplies and stuff like that, right? So it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's not illegal. They're not selling, you know, uh, arms deals or stuff like this that's that we call black market businesses. It's gray market, meaning it's, it's, it's not a formally registered business, but, you know, they're not doing anything illegal. They're selling that's, groceries or something. And that's, like why, that. that's why I thought it was important to include yeah. them in this because this conversation about, um, you know, minority entrepreneurship um, will include a discussion about, um, uh, about folks who either themselves uh, or their family members may have come from uh, some of these countries that, um, you know, where that's the way to do business, right? And so, and so they're here and, um, and, and just continue to operate in that way. I'll tell you one story. We interviewed some people, they, they, were, they came here from Iraq as refugees. Mm -hmm. And, and, I, and they, they've opened a restaurant in Syracuse, Middle Eastern restaurant. Back home, he was a book publisher and she was an English teacher. Right. Um, and he was a very successful book publisher in Iraq. Came to the US, they have nothing, right? They said they wanted to start this restaurant because um, they couldn't use their other skills. So she spoke English, which was very helpful. Um, he got in with some friends, I can't remember if it was family members or friends, or five of them came together to start this restaurant. And they said, I said, what's the biggest, uh, the biggest um, help to you in starting your business? And they said, access to money. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? They said, yeah. in, in Iraq, there was no money. Like I couldn't get money anywhere <laughs> to do anything. And, uh -huh. and here, People want to throw money at you. We, we, opened, we opened 12 credit cards to, to start our business and we paid them all off and it's great. But like, but they just, they, we get stuff in the mail here, we'll give you money. <laughs> Meaning credit access to yeah, credit, right? Yeah, Which yeah. they didn't have access to that credit. But here, very astute business people, very, very um, good business sense and entrepreneurial spirit. And yet because they didn't have access to that capital, in Iraq, that you know, they come to the U.S. and now they, they have access to it. We're in this new, in this, in this different society for them, and now they're flourishing, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, when there's no access to credit, that's that's a big hurdle for starting business, especially if someone like refugees who come here with nothing. There's a history in the United States, uh, pre-civil rights era, you know, that that banks could discriminate who they wanted to lend money to, right? And so, and, and we saw that happening. Um, and then with legislation, that sort of outright discrimination is illegal, but the way that the, the system is set up can still make it more difficult for women and minority-owned businesses, the way that credit is determined. The, you, need to, the, you have to have collateral to take out a loan, right? Well, well, when you look at the wealth gap in the United States, where there's a yeah. whole lot of reasons behind that, um, then of course, certain groups are gonna have less collateral to put up to back the loan. So, I mean, so there's those traditional financial metrics that make it more challenging as well. Even though, even if it's not discrimination based on race, if you look at wealth inequality, then there's, that's a, a legal way that people, that the banks can, can say yes to one and no to another uh, for, for a loan. Uh, and so there's, but there have been some innovations that have kind of helped with that. And, and, and one is microfinancing, microcredit. In some ways, microcredit has gotten a bad rap because it can be seen as, people being taken advantage of. But my overall, the, the research that I've read is mm. that we're talking worldwide, not just not just the United States, is that overall the, the benefits are more positive, even though there are some downsides to it. But, and, and especially when we're talking smaller loan amounts, you know, maybe everyone doesn't need, you know, $300,000 for a business loan. They, they might need five or $10,000, right? Well, the requirements can, can be less stringent. Uh, for uh, for uh, someone to access that kind of funding, and then they're able to pay it back more easily as well. 
The critiques surrounding microcredit are primarily regarding the form of use by the borrower. Some banks are worried that the borrower will spend the money on material things rather than contributing to the foundation of a business. Because of this, microcredit isn't always an option. PhD student Fabian Diaz says that puts minority entrepreneurs in a difficult situation. The circumstances are going to push a lot of minorities into informal entrepreneurship. There's no doubt about that. It's just how much of it uh, and what are the consequences that we actually are just really difficult to know. Uh, Hopefully some of these individuals who are maybe testing the waters for the first time are going to reach out to uh, other resources to become formal. There's a lot of benefits to being formal in the U.S., for example, having access to our legal system right? Uh, These informal entrepreneurs have to figure out ways to kind of deal with one not being able to employ individuals to some extent from a theoretical point of view. It's a very interesting context to to think about because, you know, we already are dealing in a context of uh, extreme uncertainty. Well, if we could measure it, this is even more uncertainty where you actually have no access to the legal system, cannot hire individuals and use um, mechanisms like fiat to kind of organize your operation. So you really have to rely on a, a couple other things. That's where the Southside Innovation Center comes in. It's a micro enterprise available to small businesses in the Syracuse community. The SSIC is run by the Whitman School and directed by Abdul Qadir with the purpose to be that source small businesses can rely on. The initial mission, right, was was to, to really uh, try and serve traditionally marginalized uh, community in a way that they're not used to being assisted, right? Um, as they explore entrepreneurship, they try and, they're, they're just trying to make it happen, right? They're just trying to make entrepreneurship happen. What? Um, we've we've been able to bring the the knowledge base and the skill set and the resources of Syracuse University into the community again, whether we get um, recognized uh, publicly for it or not. One of the uh, the, the things I want to kind of brag about, I guess, is that. Um, during COVID, we've seen a lot of challenges, just like everyone else has. And in the entrepreneurial environment, across the board, businesses have been in trouble, basically, right? But minority and women-owned companies has been uh, disproportionately affected. Uh, and and um, so we've been able to, to, to help folks identify uh, funding through um, through the PPP and through EIDL and through other, you know, uh, other sources of financial assistance to the tune of, of over $1.2 million um, so we've helped 20 or so companies obtain um, obtain funding to, to be able to carry their businesses through to, uh, some of the challenges that were faced by COVID and pivot in ways that really allowed them to, to operate. The funding obtained through the SSIC helps businesses hire new employees and improve productivity. Resources like this can help small and minority businesses thrive in the U.S. economy. Thank you to Professor Todd Moss, El Java Abdul Qadir, and Fabian Diaz for their time and expertise. This has been Syracuse University Talks Business. I'm Olivia Conti, and I'll talk to you soon.